Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We had been discussing chapter 10, Vibhuti Yoga, Yoga of Divine Glories. Consistently we had been learning from Bhagavad Gita that self, which I described as myself, yourself, himself, herself, remains constant. It's imperishable. Self is imperishable. Anything which you consider mine including my body, my mind, my intellect, my house, my car, my family, my friends, my group, they are perishable. So Bhagwan gave this message to Arjuna in the battlefield because he was torn between what is right and what is wrong. And he said, that which you are afraid of killing is imperishable. So as long as you are concerned, do your duty. And Arjuna said, I understood all that, but I can't conceptualize what the self is all about. So he said, give me some pointers where I can identify, I can feel the presence of that self. Even though I intellectually appreciate, like most of us, we intellectually appreciate that this table is made of atoms and the atoms are nothing but the voids and there is no solid material. But if I try to bang on the table, I realize the reality right away. It is very solid. So how do I reconcile these two very contradictory truths which I am very much aware and accepted? One is the very real reality that this world exists and I exist and I have this interactions with the world and that creates sorrows and happiness. And the other reality is saying that that which is you consider yourself is untaintable, remains pristine all throughout your experiences. So Arjuna said, give me something where my mind can hang on to that conception of reality. So in response to that, Bhagwan gives him this example how to find reality where it is very easy to identify, uh, where to find the divinity in your world. But he starts with a disclaimer saying, while seeking divinity in other objects and things and beings in your world, remember that Aham Atma Gura Kesa Sarva Keep that in mind first. The I, the self, is seated at the core of all beings and things. Bhuta includes things and being. That which comes into existence is Bhuta. So Bhagavan said, I am the existence in all existing things and beings. 
they only exist because I exist. Once I cease to exist, there is no existence for anything. And therefore he says, Aham adischa madhyacha bhutanam antayevacha. That which comes into existence, the beginning of that existence is also because of me. It remains in existence in the space and time, also because of me. Me, the supreme existence, which exists all the time. I am the existence, not existence of. They come to an end, also because of me they exist. They rise in myself, they remain in myself, will end in myself. But myself is very apparent when you see excellence in everything. That's where we identify. You know. If we try to think about intellect, right away the first name comes in mind, Einstein. Well, Einstein was the only intelligent person on this planet. But he made it apparent to people what intellect is all about. That he can visualize things which do not exist in reality, but he can infer. So anything which we want to identify, we have to go to the supreme example of that entity. So we had been seeing examples from Bhagwan. We say, Aham Adityanam, Aham Vishnu, Jyotisam, Ravi, Ansuman, Marichi, Marutam, Asmi, Nakshatranam, Aham Sashi. So he started with the celestial entities. Then he says, Vedanam, Samavedu, Asmi. In the knowledge and the Samaveda. Devanam Vasava, Indriyanam Manachasmi Bhutanam Chetana. That which you consider the essence of any any being, which is the life force itself, is me. And now he gives some more examples, and here is our chance to learn about Arjuna's world. We are basically taking a tour of Arjuna's world. What Arjuna was living in what time and what period, what was constituting his universe. We have seen Aditya, Ravi, Samaveda, and now he says, Rudranam Sankraschasmi. Among the deities of destruction, we know Bhagavan Shankar is one of our trinity, that he is in charge of destruction. And Swamiji has a big commentary about the Western scholars. That because the destruction in most cultures is considered negative. But Swamiji says, our rishis were wise enough to include destruction as much part of creation as creation itself. Well, these days, the big trend in our business is adaptive reuse or renovating existing buildings, keeping as much as we can. So the first thing we as architects to figure out is what I can creatively destroy out of this building. Till I figure that out, I can go next step. We are renovating a big hotel near VCU called Graduate Hotel. Well, the first thing we have to do is figure out what we can remove, what we can destroy. And those limitations, what we cannot remove, created our final solution. So creativity did not start till we figure out how we destroy things. So Bhagavan said that among those details of destruction, those who are in charge of destroying things which are unnecessary now, 
it was necessary at one point of time, it was relevant at one point of time, now it is not and therefore it needs to be destroyed. You can imagine if nobody was dying on this planet, we already have, you know, a population problem. Imagine we would just keep adding but not deducting. So destruction is very important part of existence itself. Therefore it says, among the Rudras were the deities of destruction. Shankara is the king of them all. And Swamiji says, Sama Karoti Iti Shankara. That which creates auspiciousness is Shankara. That's why Mahadev, he creates the ground for divine to rise. You know. He destroys the evil thoughts in my heart so that the positive thoughts have a place to take place in my heart. There's an article I was reading in New York Times about why we sleep. That they had been keep arguing this, researchers. We don't argue because we know sleep is necessary. But the researchers keep arguing why we sleep. Now the latest whoever has written this paper said, because brain requires time to erase unnecessary memory. So it creates a room to clean up the hard drive. Every now and then I'll call my IT guys and say, you know, my computer is really slow. And Neil, but you need to do some periodic cleanup on your computer. Uh, delete all those unnecessary files. He said, that's why we sleep. So sleep is also part of your destruction of unnecessary data in my brain. Among the Rudras, among the deities of destruction, I'm Shankara. I'm the lord of all. Therefore, Bhagavan Shankara, when he gets angry, he does the Tandam Rutya. And then Prithvi goes into Pralaya, the world goes into Pralaya. So, destruction is part of the creation. Shankara is the lord of all. Consider me to be Shankara. Vitteso Yaksa Rakshasam. Among the Yaksas and Rakshasas. Yaksas are the lord of all the vegetation, trees and so land. And Rakshasas are the materialistic people. Yaksas and Rakshasas, those who are hoarding wealth and are focused on creating material wealth only. Among them I'm Kubera. Kubera obviously is Parvapurana, is the treasurer of Devas. And Swamiji says in Purana the Kubera is described as a very ugly person. Three legs, big belly, hunchback, eight, eight teeth. is very ugly caricature of a person. Is it because of our receives innate disliking for materialism or capitalism, as Swamiji says. If they consider them to be very childish and wrongly seeking the bliss or happiness from material wealth, and therefore they were they were pictured as very crude people. They are not very polished people. We unfortunately live in a capitalist society. But you can see, the idealistic society is where material wealth is not considered as more important than your spiritual wealth or other. Therefore, the quotient of happiness, America never fares into the top places to be happy. Some other, uh, Bhutan or some country, I think it was, I think it was Bhutan, or Bhutan, which was, which was in the top of the list. Hmm? Hmm? We consider life in Bhutan as a ah, no, 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 no. When I was living in Northern Virginia, my company was asking me to 
come to Richmond. I said, no, 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 I mean, I'm happy here in northern Virginia. I always lived in Houston and all these big cities and this is not my cup of tea. After I came here, I realized what a horrible life I was living there. My office was nine miles from my home. It used to take me 45 minutes to go there on a normal day. On an irregular day, it took me an hour. Now I come here, and if, if my commute is more than 15 minutes, I'm upset. You know, I, there was a traffic at short pump. <laughs> so that's why Kubera is pictured as a crude person, because he's the lord of all the yaksas and raksasas. He's the wealth keeper. Vasunam pavakaschasmi. Among the vasus, I am fire. Swamiji explains here that in our Purana, there are eight vasus. Each one is in charge of one season, Rutu. So in our Indian calendar, there are six seasons, starting from Vasant, Grishma, Varsha, Sarad, Hemant, and Shishir. Six seasons. Two months each, 12 months. We said there are eight vasus. What are the other two doing? He said, they are in charge of my internal rutas, internal climate, joy and sorrow, happiness, unhappiness. Collectively, these eight vasus give me my experiences of this world. So depending on the rutu outside and rutu inside, I will experience my happiness and joy. And therefore, he said, among the vasu, I am pavaka, the fire. Chandogya Upanishad says that the mouth of Vasu is fire. You know that through these Vasus we experience our happiness and joys. And therefore the fire, Bhagavan says, among the Vasus I am fire. Meruhu Sikharinam Aham. Meru is a mythical mountain. Nobody can locate on the globe where the Meru is. Some people think it's a Himalaya because the culture was developed in that area. So Meru is in the center of the universe and there are seven islands at the foot of the Meru. One of them is Jambudvip. Our Panditji when doing puja, and he will say Jambudvipe. So there are seven islands at the foot of Meru. Meru is in the middle of this universe and Ganges flows in all sides of Meru. Swamiji so says that it is possible that this conception was done just by the majesty of Himalayas. But from a philosophical perspective, Meru is the epitome of spiritual knowledge. The Ganga comes down from that highest mountain, highest peak of knowledge to the world below. And that gives you your experience of self-knowledge. So therefore he said, Meruhu Sikharanam Aham. Brahaspati, planet Jupiter, the lord of planet Jupiter is Brahaspati. In our Jyoti Sastra, we call Jupiter Guru. Guru is the teacher of all celestial beings. Therefore, he says, oh, in your Kundali, the Guru is in such and such place. So it gives you knowledge. Guru also gives you a spiritual bent of mind. So, among all the household priests of the Devas and Brahaspadevi, he is the teacher of Devas. And Swamiji says in one of the Puranas, he says, Brahmanaspati. He was basically, he was the Brahmana among the Devas. 
he was the teacher of all the devas so he said among all the the teachers and brahaspati senaninam aham skandaha skandaha murgan okay kartikeya shivasan kartikeya who is the greatest general wielding spear riding peacock there was a, a competition between ganesha and skanda who goes around the entire world first will be the best kartikeya knew ganesha has no chance he is riding a mushaka and i am riding a peacock i am going to the first heat starts early ganesha takes his own time and then just goes around his parents and says i have done my world is my parents and therefore i am first and shiva says yes you are right and kartikeya was disappointed so bhagwan said among all those generals obviously arjuna is one of the generals so he said i am a skanda i am that kartikeya no nobody is better than him sarasam asmi sagaraha among the waters and ocean we all know it's quite obvious why ocean is the greatest among all water body maharshi nam bhruguhu aham among the maharishis and bhrugo we talked about it last time bhrugo is the leader of all the seven rishis he is considered the son of manu he gives the manav shastra how to live life and also swami ji indicates a story about bhrugo that bhrugo was elected as the leader to go and find out who among the three our trinity is the greatest the first goes to brahma brahma was so engrossed in his creativity he didn't even pay any attention you know to bhrugo didn't even offer him a seat or anything next he goes to shiva shiva was deeply in his meditation when he get disturbed by bhrugo he was very angry last he goes to vishnu and vishnu on his seshashaya was just taking rest so how do you wake him up he tries everything he didn't wake up he kicked vishnu on his chest and vishnu woke up and then oh maharishi you have come and as the tradition was is let me wash your feet first the very foot which kicked him vishnu was washing that feet so bhruguk came to the conclusion vishnu is the greatest he is the most compassionate that's maharshi nam bhruguh aham jiram asmi ekam aksharam among the speech among the words i am ekakshari i am om which is one syllable om but as swami ji points out here om can be viewed in various different ways but simple thing is om is the sound symbol of god if we remove all symbols because they are distracting about what is the nature of the god my mind still requires a support to conceptualize god so we receive a conceived om is the sound symbol om also is the primordial sound obviously those linguists can figure out but as i understand all sounds are made up of nothing but the permutation combination of a o and ma so they are primordial sound and then all the languages come out of what is prime all the words all the sounds all the language of expression of transaction 
comes from this A-U-N-M-A. Om also indicates A because it generates in your sound box is indicating creation. Then U lingers in your mouth. This is indicates sustenance. And Ma, you have to close your mouth to the Ma, the death, the destruction. So it's a creation, sustenance and destruction. In Mandukya Upanishad, the whole Upanishad is about Om. It indicates Jagrata Vastha, Papna Vastha and Susupta Vastha and the fourth Turiya Vastha. Three indicates these three states of my existence in waking, dream and deep sleep. And the <laughs> silence between those sounds indicate the fourth state. So when you meditate, when you meditate, when you are chanting Om, the next Om, instead of the silence between the two, you have to focus on. Not on the Om sound. So Mandagopani says, when the soundless Om is the Turiya Avastha, is the fourth state. So Om is the basis of all meditations because it describes existence in its totality. So, Giram Asmi Ekam Aksharam. My words are there to express my world. The words are there to express my feelings to you and my world to you. Ekam Aksharam. It describes my entire existence. Yagnanam Japa Yagna Asmi. Among the Yagnanam Japa Yagna. This is the simplest form of meditation anybody can do. You don't need any other support. You can do it anytime. Therefore, Bhagavan said, Among Yagna, I am Japa Yagna. Japa Yagna is repetition of the same thought over and over and over again. So, either you can take a chanting as a physical act of Japa, which is the purpose of doing Japa is also to calm my mind down. While at least I am doing Rama Rama, I have seen Swamiji. Swamiji will be talking to you, and then he stops talking and you start talking. He will start the mala in his hand. So in between, he is basically repeating the mantra in his mind. So we can do the same thing. To make any idea, firm idea in our mind, we have to keep repeating over and over again. So if I keep repeating over and over again who I am, then I will realize that self. So for all meditation, for all yagna, the one thing is common that I have to constantly repeat the idea of what the truth is all about. What the truth is all about myself. And therefore, Bhagavan says, among all yagnas, I am japa yagna. Thavaranam himalayaha. Among the immovable, I am himalaya. Very obvious. Particularly coming from India. Our entire culture revolves around himalaya. Even in a day-to-day life, you will say, well, you are not going to leave everything and go to Himalaya. Well, I'm, I'm tired of this. Well, I'm going to go to Himalaya. Himalaya is basically an epitome of our idea of salvation. This is where I can go and find my bliss. I can leave everything, go to Himalaya, and achieve what I'm trying to achieve. And among the mountains, the tallest it may be the model for the Meru in our Puranas. So Bhagavan said, among all the Sthavarana, that which is immovable, the land, the vegetation, mountains, I am Himalaya. Very, very obvious. We'll stop right here. 
ಶ್ರೀಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿಯೋ